Welcome to episode 104 of the Curios Cast. This week, we're talking to Deborah Hatswell. Deborah is the founding member of Being Believed Research and Investigation Group. Her cases cover subjects of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, werewolves, and dogmen, the paranormal, supernatural, and otherworldly experiences. This is Curios Cast, episode 104. Welcome to the Curios Cast, Deborah. Hi, it's really I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. I, I was telling you just a minute ago, it was uh, our co-host George who introduced uh, Rob and I to your content. He stumbled across your map, um, the map that is it's really impressive, um, and we'll we'll have to link it below as well so anyone can go and see it. It's essentially just a map. Uh, it says here it's forty years of research and investigations and it's it's built into google maps so you can zoom in you can scroll around and it has i I don't know how many do you know how many instances and how many reports are on this map i and i would guess somewhere around about three thousand, but that's globally um you'd be amazed how many the cases i've done i don't think i'd be able to get it all into a bio to be honest but if I've got information, say there was a footprint or there was some kind of UF, you know, UFO in a video or there was a document, I add it into the map so everything's there. And you, usually people hit me up and ask me, can they go and investigate the case? And I'm all for that. So if I can get them together with a witness, I really try and do it. The most fun thing, of course, for people, I imagine, is zooming in where they live or where they have lived and seeing yeah. if there's any uh, reported instances near them. Like, oh, there was a there was a sighting over yeah. there. There was a uh yeah. sort of a, a report and some of them are really old it'll be from yeah. I, I don't know how old they are possibly even hundreds of years ago like oh this house is reported to be haunted and and so on yeah. and some of them of course are relevant do you get people coming to you as the first person to report their cases to constantly it, there isn't a day go by that doesn't somebody doesn't get in touch with me um i know i'm not that well known i think it's because i've always kind of worked one-on-one with the witnesses so, I mean, I started at age 15 in 1982, so I've had quite a while to kind of hold it down. <laughs> so I've got to the place now where people know my name and they'll say like, oh, you should go and speak to Deb. Um, I, I've worked the strangest of cases and I've worked the most mundane of cases, but what tends to happen is I will put a report out either on the map or the website or on YouTube or the podcast and somebody else will get in touch with me and say, Deb, I had an experience in that area or I've had an experience the same as that, but not in that area, maybe near the Thames. And the map enables me to, I'll get all of the information first. I'll never tell them about the map until I've got all of the meat and the potatoes. And then I can say, in your area, this happened in 1982 or in your area, this happened 200 years ago. And kind of, hopefully kind of give them some kind of validation because that happened for me. It took about 30 years Whatever it was I saw, somebody actually came forward from my town and said that they saw the same thing. So, And that was life-changing for me. And I've tried to do that for as many people as I can, really. But you'd be amazed. People think that the strangest of things only happen out in the wilds or, you know, up Ben Nevis or Snowdonia. And they do. They do take place there. But you'd be amazed how many of the river valleys that flow through our towns um, actually have strange reports all along them so what what was it that that you know got you into it what was the thing that happened to you that got got you kind of excited yeah, I about didn't this? really know about people ask me why I were interested in cryptids and I'd never heard of them never I had no idea I mean I was born 1967 so I remember that by the time I was 15 I think we had three television channels that was <laughs> that was about it you know and I was born in the northwest of England in an ordinary town so I shouldn't have seen what I saw, I should have been going in school that day and I didn't go in. So me and my friend, um, I lived in an area called Salford and in the middle of Salford there's this huge country park and there's an old mansion house in the middle of it. And it had all run to wreck and ruin and um, we were hiding in these bushes and we were giggling and talking amongst ourselves. And I noticed a movement in the corner of my eye and as I looked, I made eye contact with something. And it leant out of the bushes at me like that. Um, I didn't see all of it. I only saw it from mid-chest up. So what I saw was it looked like 
A man and an ape combined is the only way I can put it. He he looked like like a Neanderthal, but much hairier, so very pronounced ridge. Um very thick muscular jaw, completely hair covered, no hair on his face. And he just looked at me and I looked at him. I pushed my friend to the floor, I screamed and I set off running. And and that's kind of what I did. And I looked back and he just went back into the green room. I ran home, uh, told my mum what I saw. And my mum said it was a homeless man. It was nothing. It wasn't anything to worry about. He wasn't. He was absolutely ginormous. He was like really thick and muscular. He looked flesh and blood. He looked like you could have reached out and touched him. His eyes were like the stone, the amber uh, tiger's eye, like an amberish colour. And his hair was as dark as yours. But when the sun hit it, there was a bit of a tinge, like a reddish auburn tinge. And I took all that in in a millisecond. Yeah, it's really vivid, it sounds. I'm the opposite of me, really. I, I, this, I'm not the type of person that would put anybody, push her down. I would have, if there had been any other kind of trouble, I'd have stood in front of her. And it, I think I was just acting on primal. What is that? I thought it was a monster. I thought it was going to grab us and kind of pull us into the bushes. And that were it. Um, like I say, I went home and I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to go to school the next day in case he got me. And then asking mum and dad, I'm hoping someone's going to say, oh, there's a circus. Yeah. There's a circus mm. in town and it's probably just this. Or, or there's a play on and it would have been a man dressed up in, um, you know, was it like a troglodyte or something like that. Nothing. Went to the library because there was no internet back then. Nothing in the library. I thought maybe what if it's a time slip? What if... It's like a paranormal event or something like that. Um, so back, the only thing you had back then was a CB radio. So I just got on that. And I just asked people, you know, have you... I got some strange answers. Have you seen anything when you've been out on the roads at night and things like that? And some people were serious with me and got in touch and gave me their report. And others put me on to other ones. So like there's some old ones from Kent and Seven Oaks and places like that. So I was able to look in Farsier magazines and things. And then MySpace came along and Friends United. And I just got on there and say, has anybody ever seen anything that's seven foot tall, looks like an eight man, completely air covered in the UK? And that's where it started. So I see that, yeah, we were just looking at the, uh, having a look at the map before you, well, we've been looking at it a fair while now anyway. But um, there are quite a few different Bigfoot or, you know, you sort of label them as kind of like an ape, ape sort of tag on them yeah um there's quite a few in the uk i was surprised really because uh, i know that traditionally like before we, before tom uh before george showed us his map i was just assumed it was like an american yeah primary primarily thing yeah um, and i agree i agree 100 and i still think lots of people think about it like that mm. you know that it's just an abroad thing you'd be amazed how many americans don't think that i have bigfoot in any other place canada anywhere it's just not there it's just in america i don't think it is if we're, dealing like with we the, the... if we're dealing with a flesh and blood corporeal creature, we should be finding things like hair footprints. We should be getting just like reports of screams or howls and things like that. So that's when I started to add the other reports around them because mm. I wanted to know what was happening in the area, what was being reported over mm. a number of years. So one example would be RFA, RAF Alcumbra. If you'd have looked at that place in the 70s, there was one report of what they call a standing wolf. But the wolf had a flat face, looked like an ape. But if you look all the way up to like 2012, there's five or six witnesses, some of them for America who served at the base. So you add all those things together. In four of those accounts, they speak of the creature running off into Monk's Wood. Now, they, they weren't serving at the same time. They haven't had a conversation with each other. So you've got four different soldiers from four different decades, all reporting this upright, hairy wolf that ran off into Monk's Wood. And so you look on, you go on the map and you find RF Alcumbra and you realise that Monk's Wood runs into the nature reserve and you can go anywhere you want from there. So if I hadn't have collected each of those reports, I'd have found them all. I've been paranormal investigators getting in touch with my people from all across the world. Yeah, Deb, I've got this story. It fits in with what you've got. Do you want it? So I wouldn't have known that there was all of these separate soldiers that had seen them. And they all give the very same 
description of it. So mm. it wasn't a bit the same. It was almost exactly the same. So if it's flesh and blood, it's got to be born, hasn't it? It's got to be. And he's got to die. And we can't answer for that. We've never in the world found a Bigfoot body or a Sasquatch mm. body. It's never happened, has it? Um, so I decided early on, I kind of got boxed off a lot. People would say, oh, this is what you saw. Or this is what you saw. And I used to think, no, but it's not. That It doesn't fit. It's not right. So I, I decided early on I was never going to put words in people's mouths. So you might find on the map uh, a report that's got a ghost symbol. But if that witness has said what they saw was a ghost, it might have been eight foot tall, full of hair, looked like Bigfoot. But if the witness is convinced it, it was a, goal, a ghost, that's why I put it on us, because it's their report, isn't it? It's not mine. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So with your, um, oh. your, like you're saying there, if a, a bit there was a Bigfoot and it was flesh and blood, like you say, there would be more... <laughs> Uh, physical evidence so you, like you say there would be hair there would be blood there yeah. would be footprints uh does that lead you to believe that if there is a bigfoot sasquatch type being that it would be more a paranormal being rather than something physical like you like you say well i'm in a unique position in that people send me this evidence mm. because where else do you send it to in the uk you know mm. um and that's what i spent the last 35 years doing we have to answer the sceptical questions. So if, normally, if, if you see a ghost, you don't have to answer any questions. And, re, and a researcher goes out and finds it for you and tells you. If you see a creature, there's nothing out there that can do that. So I had to find out for myself. So I thought, right, well, we've got to be finding. If the Americans are finding A, B and C, well, I need to be matching this A, B and C. So, yeah, over the years, we've had a lot of fakes come in. We've had a lot of misidentification of overstepped animal prints and just people who don't really understand the woodlands um, will say, you know, there was this awful mm. screeching creature and it sounded like they were clashing and you think, oh, it's a roar. So you ask them where they are and there's a lot of deer there and you have to explain that that's probably the roar that they've heard. But within that, there is a small cluster of anomalies that we cannot explain, I cannot explain. So footprint finds we do have them there's some really decent footprint finds in the uk but they do not look like the patty print that you see in america with a big round peel and you know mm. that looks like it's been stamped from above these look more like a human print but a foot that's never been chewed much larger than a human and your actual foot morphology so you can see the movement within the mud so that's either an incredibly good faker or we might be onto something there. And I'm not the expert. I can't sit in judgment and say that's real. Because scientifically, until I see what left that print with my own eyes, everything is theory. So I'm never going to say to people, this is a Sasquatch print from the UK. This mm. is a print that's an anomaly. It hasn't happened in summer. It isn't close to the beach. It's in an area where maybe it's incredibly hard to get into or you've got to go 100 yards through brambles barefoot. So when it's like that, then I keep it. Because mm. you just don't know, do you? We have had hair samples. Currently, there is nobody that will test them in the UK, so they're just put away for data. Um, if I paid for it myself, it'd be somewhere between th three and £7,000. Oh, wow. And I just, you know, I just can't do that, can I? Yeah. Um, these, there are other things as well. We shouldn't just be getting like just a sighting of them we need to be hearing like screams and whoops and people reporting monkey noises and things like that and they do i once um met up with some people in canic chase everyone knows canic chase if you in this paranormal subject i went down there and it was just a meet and greet it was for people to come out and share their experience with whatever it was whether it be a ufo a ghost a bigfoot you just put the campfire on I have a cup of tea, they have a drink, we all just sit down and we talk. And this lad had come down from Manchester and stayed there the night before. And he said to me, I'm so glad I had your map on me last night. He said, because I stayed out here all night on my own. And he heard these really weird monkey noises. He said, so I went on the map and I looked and they go ape centres there, innit? He said, so it would have been the monkeys in the go ape centre. Oh. And there are no monkeys in the go. What did you hear? And he said it sounded like one monkey 
and one monkey's kind of talking to each other. So obviously he thought that I'd sent somebody down there and kind of, you know, set it up. Honestly, I'm not that good. Um, <laughs> and I just said to him, I don't know. I can't tell you. I can tell you that other people have reported him there. Sherwood Forest, lots of places really in the UK. Monkey noises, banging on trees. The, it, it's never ending, you know. The, mm. the evidence, as they call it, is never ending. But I don't even think in America, I think, if I caught a Bigfoot today and I dragged it here in front of you guys, you would probably think that I hoaxed it in some way or form. If I got the photograph, you say it was AI. I don't yeah, think that's the trouble, until you, yeah, until you plan, kind of yeah. see it. Yeah, until you see it. What happened to me is completely impossible. Mm. It cannot have happened. Yeah. So I'm either not of sound mind and my friend is not of sound mind and we've had it like a joint hallucination of some kind. I don't know how to explain what I saw other than just try and research the hell out of it mm. and, and see what I said. So for me, I, I, I honestly believe that Bigfoot is some kind of relic hominid. Mm. I don't think he's paranormal. I think he's a flesh and blood creature and I just don't think we understand it. It's interesting what you say about that. Like you could literally... Like these days, there's a trouble when you could show someone the HD footage of exactly that and people are probably less likely to believe that or anything. They'll be like, nah, you've, you, you've set that up. Like I'm in a few like big cat, like UK yeah, forums exactly, yeah. and that. And every, every time like, you know, people will post like a far out, maybe not great picture and everyone goes, rubbish picture. Can't you get a great picture of this these days? Someone will post a good picture and everyone goes, either that's a domestic, that's, that's the huge thing. I'm sure you see this. Every every single there's about a hundred comments domestic domestic oh great picture of a domestic and then like it, there might be a couple of people who go actually I'm not sure it is but like yeah I'm thinking what 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 will it actually take for every for everyone to look at that and go cool yeah actually yeah you know like yeah I know I, I, I don't know have you ever I think seen the impossible. doorbell cam this doorbell cam one and oh. it, it's a it's huge and it sits on the I have seen that car. I have seen that yeah, yeah yeah the way it jumps off that's not a mocker. <laughs> Yeah. And people are saying, oh, it's just a domestic cat. It's yeah. a chunky cat. I wouldn't want to fix it. No. Yeah. I, I knew a guy once uh, I when I used, I used to work in retail and a guy used to come in. I wish I wish I'd like taken note of his website now because this was long before we started doing this. And he was like an, a big cat investigator. Right. And he showed me some crazy stuff. Like he yeah. showed me like, um, uh, yeah, like a website about it. And he showed me how there was like fines like up, up trees. You know yeah. how like, and he was explaining how, like, you know, like cats, wild cats in like Africa and things, they, yeah. they will they will kill an animal, store it up yeah, a tree, mm -hmm. and 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 they'd find they find stuff like that in the UK and things. And he and yeah. he had he had all pictures of it and things. Like he showed me on his website, it was crazy. I I had to learn that I didn't know anything about big cats. My dad was into big cats. He really mm. was was into it because he spent a lot of time in nature and he was convinced that he'd seen them. But me, no, but I had to learn it because mm. I get sent a lot of kill photos so i get right, sent yeah. a lot of deer up in trees or sheep up in trees oh, with bites around yeah. the neck or the thorax that is a cat kill cats eat in a certain way they'll go in the back end or the yeah. soft belly part you know so people can send me uh, sometimes i'll go out and see the carcass itself if, it, if it's close enough for me and you look at it and you think that's a big cat kill and mm. it's not that far away because they don't leave the food for other yeah. cats to take you know yeah yeah so what we've got is we've got a number of, of reports where sheep have penned themselves. So you've got like 60 sheep in a pen for 10. So something's frightened them to do that, put mm. themselves in danger like that. Mm. Farmers, you go and knock on the door and you talk to them and they, they have no doubt. I take a cat report every single week. And if you look at the newspapers now in the UK, we've gone from dismissing it to, well, it's just become almost normal that a dog walker sees a big cat in the UK. There yeah. are... There are attacks. Two policemen have been attacked. There are a number of people who have been attacked by large cats. I think it's all about the money. I think if they admit that they are out here, there would have to be a management plan for starters. Yeah. A lot of your woodland trust areas, you wouldn't have people wouldn't want to go in them, would they? So you couldn't build a housing estate if we knew that there was an endangered cat there. So yeah. I think it's much easier. There was um, a Freedom of Information Act um, from 2008 to 2018 in the Staffordshire area, how many cat reports had been reported to the police? And it was over 15,000. Wow. 
And that's one counter in one 10 year period. Yeah, yeah, that's tons. Not all of those people can be mistaken. No. You know? There's no way. They talk about the swoop of the tail. Um, The fact that majority of cats that are reported are black. Yeah. There are a lot of sandy, lion colored ones. And I wonder if the black ones just stand out more. Yeah. You know, when they're in the fields, when they're coming through the like the rape fields or the corn fields, maybe they stand out because they're black. It's more shocking yeah. as well, I think. Like, you're not really expecting to see, especially that kind of black they are. It's not, yeah. it's different to a, like a domestic kind of cat black, yeah. isn't it? So it's the yeah. sort of thing that would, that would, that would stun people a bit more. Like you say, it probably does stand out. Yeah. But like the normal sort of big cat color that they're not wildly different to a cat, you know, a domestic cat might look that color kind of thing, you know, so you, yeah. you might not, it might not shock you as much unless it's obviously massive. But, but I think what people, isn't it like, you know the common sort of held belief is that they were, uh, you know, like private private collections, and, yeah, and, 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 then, and then released, and and then they've like uh, in the fact that if they were still around today is because they bred, you know, like which yeah. is just not not it's it's really not hard to believe. Yes, yeah, it's, it's well plausible. It is like, plausible, it's not, and you not have to go back. All. They didn't just have the release in the seventies. Um, a lot of Victorian people would come back from abroad and would yeah. have a menagerie of animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they released into the wild. And if mm. these cats can interbreed, which I think they can, black is the majority dominant colour. So right. you'll even see black squirrels now starting in the south because is that, it? yeah, okay. that colour is more mm. predominant. They're fiercer. Mm. They get attacked less and that's the colour that's winning. So I think we've got, we've gone from people way out in the wild, so like wild campers and hikers reporting them in the 70s and the 80s. And then it was farmers in the 90s and the early 2000s that were seeing them. Now it's dog walkers and country parks and people in gardens. Mm. Cats have a real, a male cat has a really big territory and he will go around and he will service all of the females. And people ask me, why would they go near a garden, Debbie? Because most gardens are fed for birds and anything that flies, hops or moves is food for a cat. So if I was a cat, I'd go and sit on the railway embankment at the back of my house and I'd just wait for whatever came along to eat off my bird feeders. Yeah. And then I'd just attack it. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening. I think that's highly dangerous because you're now saying, normally a cat won't face you if you're looking at it. And you'll right. often not see it if it's in the area, but you've got people now saying it wasn't scared. It, even though I had the dog with me, it was advancing. Mm. So Yeah, and it makes think, sense, yeah. yeah. It happens every, oh, yeah. any, anyway in like where if humans are, as more we spread out, the less there is for them. And people say like, why wouldn't you see them all the time? But it's like, but the, the whole, the whole, the whole thing is, is hiding and yeah, ste- yeah, yeah exactly. stealthy and, yeah. and being well, it's like, lone, um, lone sort of thing. Like foxes, right? If you, exactly. like, um, if you live in a more urban environment, like there's foxes that come out at night and they, they're getting more and more to the point where they're not actually that skittish around people. They used, yeah. I feel like they used to be yeah. maybe a bit more. I remember as a kid, you'd see a fox, it'd, it'd dart away, it'd, it'd run, like uh, you, you barely got to see it. And then now they walk alongside you like, when you're walking down the road. So Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> they see humans as a food source. Once any yeah. animals do, the least hmm. resistance, that, don't they? So if there's an easy food source there, they're going to come back night after night after night. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what the big cats are doing. You, think- see, you said yourself with the kills, people are reporting them all of the time, you know? Yeah. yeah. That one's hard to like, dispute really like yeah. a thing up a tree I, like i don't really know of it uh i mean you, no. you, you might you might but like a, a different explanation for that like you, you could you could perhaps have a different explanation for a kill you know you, you could say i don't know what you'd say people, maybe yeah domestic yeah people say other stuff but like what do you, do you know of any possible alternative theories for what a kill up a tree could be I, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything big enough to drag no. anything up a tree in the UK, you know? No. I, the only possible fear, I guess, would be someone fucking about, like, like a prank, like a hoax. Or you, rather. You, like, you've that's got the to only look possible at sickles, haven't you? There are some kills yeah. that clearly had um, deranged humans. Right, but oh yeah, I didn't think of that. When, it, when it's a domestic yeah, dog, dogs are messy when they kill. So yeah. they'll bite all over the animal and they'll, mm. dig the, they'll dig the feet in to get grip and they pull like that. So it's a messy scene. Um, And cats are a messy scene. But what worries me are the dead animals we're finding, that there is nothing around them. There's no bite that's taking them down. There's nothing around them. So there's no footprints. It's not like they've come in on ATVs. 
and the mm. belly is sliced and only the liver is taken. And I don't mm. know any animal that feeds like that. If it was a poacher, you'd take the good meat. Yeah, yeah. it's very specific. You'd leave it there. Yeah, slice down the belly and the liver removed. That's strange. Yeah, it is. Mm. It is. So you, you just make a note of it. And mm. if it pops up again, I will jot that down on the map. And because that's my filing system, and then I'll mention yeah. it in a podcast, or maybe someone will get in touch with you guys now and say, you know, when I was walking mm. the dog, I saw a kill that was just, you know, just didn't add up to me. You'd probably be amazed how many people will, will say, actually, I've seen something like that. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. And like you said a minute ago, you get a lot of people sending in reports that yeah. um, are maybe just misunderstood they don't understand yeah. uh the the nature that's around them and they and they yeah. think it's something strange when it's not but you must get quite a lot of people that are also sending in just complete nonsense um in a way of a prank like how often do you get people oh, that are just trying to wind you up and they obviously are the, the the biggest skeptics they don't believe in any of this nonsense and they just think oh it'd be funny if i tell her i saw this and that and how how often do you get that kind of rubbish coming from a lot I get, I get that a lot, and I get hoaxes, genuine hoaxes, a lot. Um, so you have to move with the times. You have to learn, you know. I, some very simple things you can do. So, like, for instance, about four or five months ago, I was sent this image, supposedly from Canic Chase, of a Bigfoot mid-chest that had been taken on a GoPro that someone had put out there. It wasn't just sent to me. It was sent to a number of researchers Fortunately for me, I was not well that week because I didn't click on the email, and I just saw this big kerfuffle come up in the in the big you know in the Bigfoot community, and everyone saying that's a fraud, and this guy saying it's not a fraud. So I thought, oh, I go and open the blooming email. I clicked on it. I thought I've seen that photograph before, so I just Google searched the image when it come back, and what he'd done is he just imprinted like a GoPro timer and things like mm. that on it so you must have thought that, that we don't check images but like i say it's it's just some real real uh bigfoot researchers in the states and even they were saying right this is an abject con so rather than just disappear or rather than just say you got me he said no 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 it was not a con <laughs> i did leave my gopro out there and the government came in and put that photograph on the gopro so that you wouldn't believe me and you just think, at that point, you think, right, well, I've got too much to do today to be put. You would be amazed at the extremes that people go to to get on the show or get yeah. in the website, you know. I've had people contact me who have been attacked by poltergeists and have then contacted me from the same email pretending to be the deliverance minister. And there's a whole conversation going on between them, all from the same IP address. <laughs> Interesting. At that point, <laughs> at that point, is it a good prank if you're spending that much time making up fake stories? Like that guy who said that he like saw a, a bigfoot on his GoPro. It's like it, this isn't a prank. What? You've just wasted all your time. <laughs> the prank is on you. You pranked yourself. You just you'd be amazed the things that you get we get sent in and it's I would say it's not just me I have researchers say look at this has been sent to me today Deb you see it yourself on TikTok how many mm. videos you see on TikTok where you think how are you falling for this yeah. I could do that job I could do that job really easily and get millions of pounds <laughs> what, what what about the other side have you actually seen any where you were initially like Hang, uh, maybe mm. that is got and they've actually been quite good because you you see it sometimes yeah. where people do it more as a they're not, they're, not, they're not just being prankster for the sake of it. They're doing it more as an exercise in like video editing, maybe. You know, yeah. you see that. Like there, there was a famous one of like, it wasn't a cryptidy thing, but it was like a, a a baby getting picked up by like an eagle or something. Did you see that? Oh, oh yeah. It was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a, a project turned out to be. Or, or there was another one I heard. It was like a school had done it as a little thing to... Yeah. Maybe to teach to teach him about virality and like and, and they'd done a that was like I can't remember what it was now, but that was sort of like a, a paranormal thing and, and then they in the end they admitted and said it was yeah. a it was I know an experiment a kind of thing. I know a man who made a million at it. Do you know a chap Did called he? Irwin Saunders? Have you ever heard of him? No. No. Right. Well I, I like the old tales like like the fairy folk and the fae. Mm. So yeah, I when that. I when I'm not working I don't watch Bigfoot videos because it's like working in an ice cream shop. You don't want to eat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but something completely different. <laughs> so it comes across this video on YouTube by Irwin Saunders. It was the first one he ever put out. 
best CGI I've ever seen because I was convinced those little fellas were real. They look real. They look I do like, know who you mean. I do know who you mean. And, they it, and look he's so real. Yeah, he things. looks so real. Yeah, we spoke about this, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does yeah. it like it's almost like he's not really trying to trick you. Yeah. It's it's like a, a game kind of thing. Yeah. It's like a yeah, he like, never like a show. At any like point a show. That they are real. Just like, yeah, it's just, like a show. Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah, back in the day. And I, at the time, I'd done a number of documentaries. So I was able to get hold of a doc, one of the documentary makers. And I said, do you think this is legit? And he went, no, Deborah, that is definitely CGI. Yeah, yeah. And it, he's very clever. He would ever yeah. be. And he it's is good, very though. clever. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really hoped, oh, I really yeah. hoped that, you know, like <laughs> a bit like, uh, what was he called? Sherlock Holmes and the daft fairies that he fell for. I yeah. saw Peru in Zelgs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spent a bit. I spent a bit of time on that. It's it's just entertaining, regardless, isn't it? It's like, whimsy, isn't it? But you yeah, movie beings yeah. love things that are out of the ordinary, aren't they? Like people mm. say to me, "How do you make a living doing what you do?" And I say, "I've never not got a job to do." People mm. really are interested in the unexplained. I mean, the cases I worked, I worked a case September the eighth, um, where an old man, eighty eight. Um, I've never met him before. I know he's carer, but I don't know him. Um, got in touch with me because in the middle of the night, he saw what he described as a werewolf at the window and it tapped on the window at him. He was absolutely terrified, as you can understand. Absolutely mm. terrified. So I was actually in hospital that day having um, a procedure, but his, his carer phoned me and I said, just give me a minute and I'll sneak out and get in the car. So I got in the car and I, I phoned him and he, oh, he was, he was frightened. He was ever so frightened. And he kept saying to me, Will it come and take me? And I said, no, it won't come and take you. If it was there to do that, then it would have done it there and then you'd yeah. be gone, wouldn't you? He said, be, and the one thing he said that stood out to me was, it looks surprised to see me. Hmm. And as he describes it to a T. And luckily, we, I managed, Steve, the carer, got him on camera talking about it because he's forgetful. He got it right away. So, he, hmm. you know, he might have forgotten it. We needed as much information as I could give him. And I just asked him a few questions and I realized I asked him if he was Irish and he was, he was Irish of descent. And I asked him if there was any property on the farm that was negative in any way. And he said that there was, there was a, an older building where it was rumored that the nuns had buried babies, you know, back in the day mm, and people had done yeah. satanic oh, worship wow. and things like that. I'd asked him, had he been thinking about his death or passing on? He's 88 and he's very poor. And he said, yeah, I have. I've been to the solicitors last week and I'm getting me things in order. Yeah. And I just I said, well, what changed about that night? And he said, well, normally I always sleep upstairs, but I can't do the stairs anymore. So the carer had brought the bed downstairs. And that was the mm. first night he was in that room mm. when he saw it. And I said to him, there's an old case that he's called Ossian, the death wolf in Irish. And it's not as frightening as it sounds. Not so much a black shuck that comes to give you more, a warning. They say that if you're of Irish descent at times of stress, <clears throat> or harm or upset or death a wolf will come bring your ancestors to walk you home um and he passed on the third of january mm. um yeah he passed away so that case when you think about it actually let me, just let me show you something i know the guys on the podcast can't see it but he actually like... sent me his horse brasses i've got them there um, because he'd phone me and we'd just have general chats, you know, yeah, after, after cool. I spoke that's to nice. him for the first time. And, because he yeah. was frightened and I didn't want yeah. a frightened man to have to cross over and be frightened. Mm. And we, he, put all, he managed to put a few things to bed in our conversations and I that's think nice. he went at home with his family and you can't ask for better than that, can you? That's, no. that's all you can ask for. But, yeah, I think people see the frivolous side of what I do and the whimsy, but there's also that. So mm -hmm. you've... You're working in those kind of cases where you, you do get emotionally involved. It'd be impossible not to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. What's a uh, what's a case that you've worked on that's stuck with you the most? Whether that's uh, the most unbelievable or the most um, like whimsical, as you say, or just something mm, that you couldn't, couldn't get out couldn't, of your head. I couldn't just say one. Yeah. There isn't just one case like that. There's a few cases that are like that for me. RAF Bempton is a place on the north east coast of the uk and the northeast coast of the uk has so many werewolf and dogman reports it starts at about kent and it goes all the way up to the scottish coast so you've got the old stinker beast of Arsene and Dre, lots of modern day reports and lots of younger reports so strangely 
Dogmen creatures are often seen on areas of military defence land, like the Standing Wolf at RAF Alconborough. And the east coast of Britain is full of, of, of ex, you know, World War Two. We can go anywhere, and that's yeah. what Bempton is, um, and it's an awful place. We went to um, Danes Dyke, and as we turned the corner to go into Danes Dyke, it was like this thing, I don't know what it was, it was the most negative energy I've ever felt in my life, and it just hit you. And I was physically sick. I actually was actually got out of the car, and I was physically sick, and I was with a group of other investigators, and they all... There was something wrong with all of us. And I am convinced that something followed me home from that holiday because it just I couldn't, I was just it. I lost nine stone in weight. I was just, oh, it was, oh, it was absolutely wow. awful. Wow. And I, I went to, um, I'm not into like, I don't go to Reiki or anything like that. It's not me. Um, and normally if I need to de-stress, I'll go and ride the horse or I'll go up to the moor. I like being up there in nature. Couldn't shift it. I had to go to a Reiki woman to shift it. And it was just, um, I am convinced that something followed me home, and I don't know any other way to put it. I couldn't. It was that strong. I couldn't shake it, you know. And it was just you. You do hear that from people who do paranormal investigations and, and things like that. Then someone got in touch with me and she said, "Have you seen inside the base?" And I was like, "No, never." The photographs, if you look them up on Google, are just awful, absolutely awful. So it's an old military base, and there's been a lot of satanic worship done in there. Um, and when you look at it, there's a lot of missing people in the area. There are a lot of reports of this seven-foot-tall dog-like creature with yellow eyes that's followed people. Um, and just that case springs to mind. And the only other time that's happened to me is at Canic Chase. Um, and that was just way back in the day when I didn't know what I was doing. I just blundered into a situation and I should have known what I was doing and I, what I didn't. And um, it affected my friend more than it affected me for about 18 months. Yeah. Wow. It makes sense. You mentioned you mentioned you know a few things being uh, like happening at military bases quite often, but I guess again that makes sense because they're they're meant to be on alert, looking well, at yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, most yeah. of them are abandoned now. And and all oh, right, yeah, of course. You, you think even places like Salisbury Plain, that is the last place you'd expect to hear a Bigfoot report. But serving soldiers saw it on exercise and reported yeah. it. Um, and if you think about it, when they're not on exercise, there's no humans allowed on that ground. Yeah. you know so it might be an area yeah. where and then you've got to go to the other extreme where people believe that there are underground bases in the uk and some of these creatures are either manufactured there or used there in some way you even hear tales of absolute killing you know squads that go out and it goes from one extreme to the other if you listen to every podcast that there is out there but there are some credible witnesses who will say that under Todd Modern, Brecon Beacons and a few other areas in the UK, where there is a massive amount of high strangeness, UFO reports, people are just vanishing, um, and they're just not being discussed. They're not out there in the, the public being discussed. They're all in little forums somewhere, you know. Mm. So I like like this because when you do a podcast like this, it's just like having a chat with your friend at the gym or, you know, at mm -hmm. the pub kind of thing. And you're just talking about subjects that should be normal. If we yeah. normalised it, far more people would come forward. Mm. There's not a lot of people out there like me who'll say, I was 15, when I was 15, I saw an ape man in Manchester. Yeah. You know, I've had all the knocks and names you can, I don't bother me anymore. There's nothing they can say to me. But not everyone's like me. There are people out there in their homes now wishing that they could, mm, should I email her? Should yeah. I? Should I tell her? And yeah, the answer is yeah. Just and if you can't talk to me, talk to the guys. That's yeah. what I was going to say. George actually asked us, saying he wanted to, he wanted to ask, and it was kind of around that, mm. um, around that subject like, like you mentioned. In um, how did he word it? Uh, oh yeah, like basically yeah. Um, is it yeah? How do you sort of deal with that? You must have had you know like ridicule. Or, or, you oh know, God, for, yeah, for, for yeah. A better word. yeah, and like. And, and and it is it's nice that you, that, that you say it as like a you know it's important to talk about it so other people yeah. feel like they can like just bring it up and they, and they don't feel like ridiculous you know like because most people's initial thought if they if they do feel like they've seen something you, you like you yeah. say you, you thought you're like am I mad like what because yeah, your, your logical your logical brain is to go like well I must I, I doubt I must be doubting it's like what's going on and yeah. like, you rack your brains especially nowadays when like I say people are generally more skeptical i think i would describe myself as probably like 
I, I'm curious, like, hence the name. Yeah, I, I understand um, what you're saying. You've got yeah. to see it with your own eyes. Yeah, you it's tough. I really it. want, I really want to see something. I really want yeah, like, I like the evidence, but like, and I'm, I, I try and be open with like the possibilities. Yeah, and I know what you're saying. Right. You, you're putting yeah. it out there because you're open to an experience, and there's a lot of yeah. people do end up with experiences is doing it that way. There's also the unfortunate, fortunate, as I call people like me. <laughs> Where you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know? Yeah. Was I meant to see him that day or was it just completely coincidental? Could it have been another girl that day that saw him? I honestly mm. don't know. I really, mm. really do mm. not know. I have all of the same questions that all of your listeners have about me now. Am I lying? You know, did I make it up? Was I yeah. ill? Was it a gas leak? You know, did I eat something? Yeah. And <laughs> was it a boy? <laughs> So yeah. I've answered, I, I, no, it was not. It was not. It, you don't spend 45 years doing what I do. It, it's my job. It's my full-time job. My kids have grown up with it. My grandkids have grown up with it. My husband mm. is so used to it because yeah. it affected me that much. Um, and I have to answer those questions. So when people, I've had the extreme. I've had people say that I made the entire event up. So 45 years ago, I planned coming on your show tonight. So I, <laughs> you get what I mean? A lot of, yeah. she planned to write a book when she was 50. So I set out to start it and I didn't. It was awful. I yeah. I was off my trolley for a while. I was a 15-year-old mm. kid. So by mm. the time I was 18, I my mean, mum and dad were moving to the country and it was like, I'm not moving to the country. He'll get me. That mm. was my entire mindset. So I went as far away from the country as I get. But I never took my kids fishing like my dad took me. And I never took him camping like my dad took me. And it really did cut some corners off my life. I always question my mental health. Oh, yeah. you know? And you just, there's other people like that. Every time I say to my husband, I'm done. Last week, there was a video I went out on YouTube that my husband is my brother. And that is our secret. And I just said to him, right, I'm done. I'm answering no more questions, I'm done. And he was like, Deb. There's someone else out there like you who's at home thinking, I'm, 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 am I going mad? Because mm. it might be an ongoing event for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. it might be a policy, some form of policy guys or attachment or anything. That might be ongoing for them. And they're like, I just, you can't phone the police and go to the hospital. Where do you go? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, your, I like your approach to it that, that, that you say that. It's like you're just sort of, you're willing to look at the possibilities yeah. To, to rule to rule out what's left, and I think that's that's what you can do. You, you don't sound like you're will, you're completely blindsided enough to go. Nope, it must be this. It must yeah. be that. And, no. and I liked what you said earlier about like I can't definitely say it was one thing yeah, or another, I and, I, and I can't say that about someone else's experience either. All I can say is this is what I've I've been reported, and I write it down. I like yeah. that, you know, like, and it's and that's yeah. what you see on that's what you see on your um, map. Is the analogy like... I use is if you. If, if I'm going in, say, right, me, you, and, and you, we're going out to a paranormal. We're going to do a paranormal investigation, right? If we'd have done it in the 40s and the 50s, if anything had happened, if we'd have heard anything, we'd have been like, um, oh, oh, oh it's, uh, it's like the ghost of, of Christmas past or whatever, because that was the history then. Go mm. to the 80s and the 90s, you hear a tree knock, it's a demon. It is satanic mm. panic. Mm. So we do put the like a different kind of trend, yeah. Together. Yeah, into people's minds. So if you say, hang on a minute, underneath all of that noise, what you're hearing is a bang on the wall. So if you tell that person, oh, that's a demon, mm. well, everything's going to go real negative real quick. So <laughs> yeah. if you can say to that person, have you got new neighbours next door? Let's mm. put your cat, let's put your phone on. When you go to bed tonight, put your phone on the side and just record. You might find that that banging is your neighbour going to work at three in the morning and you just not really mm. notice because you're both on. You've got to debunk everything. Yeah. Absolutely. I've done a case where they, she said she was getting tinnitus and it was like a ringing in her ears and she described it as infrasound and it was knocking her sick. Then she said, it's got to be something in the house. And as soon as I walked in the front room, do you remember in the 2000s, you had those phones that you carried about, but the bass used to plug into the wall. Right. You could hear it. Like a high pitch. Oh yeah. Like you just hear the electrical. And as stack. soon as I plugged it out, I said to her, let's unplug it because I can't work around electrical devices. Let's have a cup of tea and a chat. And it started to ease off. And she said, you're a miracle worker. And I said, it's not. It's that phone. 
that phone, yeah. I heard it the minute I come in your house and it made me feel a bit sick and my head felt a bit dizzy. Mm. And you just have got to be honest with them, yeah. you know? It wasn't the ghost yeah. that she wanted it to be, but it was easily solved. That was what it was. You get, um, there's people who, of course, uh, you probably get multiple reports from the same people sometimes that they've seen this over mm. here and then maybe they've heard a different thing in another location. And... I feel like everybody knows someone who has a, a ghost story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you also get people that are the complete opposite and yeah. will go their entire lives not With seeing nothing. anything out of the ordinary, not hearing anything and yeah. not believing it. Do you think that it's just people obviously experience the world in different ways and some people genuinely go all their lives or is it maybe that some people just aren't looking out for it and they maybe would have had an experience if they were more, uh, if they were believing that there was something there, they're more likely to experience those things. Um, it's got to be all of that. It's got to be all of that, hasn't it? Because each human being is, is an individual. What Scientifically, what I think is going on, go right back to caveman days, before we spoke with communicative language like words, we had to communicate some way. In the same way that you know when your girlfriends, you think, oh God, what have I done? You can tell when you, you know, when someone's off with you. You might meet a person for the first time and think, I don't like them and mm. I don't know why. Mm. It's your peripheral brain. It works 24-7. It's the same reason you can sometimes feel like you're being watched. You know, you can be sat on the bus and you look around and someone's staring at you. All of that kept you alive as a caveman. It did. And it's just a natural sense. We all have it within us. And I think some people have it in higher and lower levels. Um, and then when you look at people on the spectrum, they find it much easier to tap into the, the quantum world, as some people would call it. So they see things in a peripheral way rather than in an, like a society brain where you're plugged into the TV and you don't see anything. I mm. think by the time you're about three or four, a lot of people you talk to saw something in the bedroom when they were a kid. So I'm mm -hmm. frightened. Yeah, you. we've spoke about that a few times, yeah. Yeah. And the parents tell you that it's a nightmare or it's just this or it's just that. And I think it starts to shut that down at that point because you mm. feel silly mm. and you feel mm. embarrassed about it. That's what it was like for me. I was naughty. Mm. It's just these mm. things in my bedroom and I was naughty. <laughs> I was terrified mm. is what I was. That's why I wouldn't go mm. to sleep. And I met for the first time ever, I met a chap the other day and I was interviewing him and his little boy was seeing Shadow Folk and I have to work with lots of children. And I said to him, what did you tell him? And he said, son. People do see them. We don't know what they are, but people do see them. And I said mm. to him, I wish somebody had been like that with me when I were a kid. Because yeah. if somebody had said it to me, it might have been different, you know, I might have handled it a bit differently. It's yeah. each an individual case. Some people have nothing. And then, they're, like Fred, nothing his entire life. And then at 88, he has this experience. Yeah. You know, but sometimes when you're close to death, I think you open up. You know, there are times in your life as a human being where your energy changes. So a lot of poltergeist activity happens to boys from about 14 to 16 because that's when you, your energy mm. changes as you become a man. Then it'll change when you become a parent. And then when you're my age, you kind of fit your skin and you, you don't care what people say about you anymore. You've got none of those angles and you're just open to everything, really. I've got one, actually. Like, I, I might, uh, when this finishes, we'll give you some, uh, I'll see the guy wants to get in touch with you, but. Yeah, trying to get me. trying to get something local on my area. Uh, there's actually a, a local pub that we go to. It's re really really old. It's actually I'm wearing a hoodie from the pub. It was a right. established 1700, um, and uh, the landlord in there he's got some uh, some stories, some reports. Oh, we were actually, really? We were, yeah. we were actually gonna we were trying to do an episode in there when when we were all together. George actually lives in Holland, yeah. so we were trying to get together and record an episode in. He was going to tell the story, but he's had a he's a, there's a few different ghosts that he. That it says are like regulars. Um, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, pubs are quite a, a common a uh, hot spot for these paranormal activities, right? Just because they're usually Places a very it. old building that's been like the center of a community for such a long time, and I imagine that's maybe why there's a and the meeting a, a big... manager, mm. the meeting place. So back when we had Stonehenge and we all met at Stonehenge and kind of shared energy and had this massive rave that went on for weeks and weeks in the summertime, that's how you did it then. 
1970s, you sat in the pub. That's where you met, you met your mates. It's mm. where people are happy. I be- honestly believe that most paranormal activity happens when you are at your most relaxed. When you mm. turn off this front brain and you just chill. You're driving or you're sat fishing on the side of the river. You're just walking the dog. Whatever it is that makes you chill out. Yeah. And then you have an experience. And it's just, I think, maybe pubs are just death. They're meeting places, aren't they? You think for generations, your yeah. dad had set yeah, his yeah. son out for his first pint. It was a big thing, wasn't it, in, in the UK? It's what we did now, not mm. so much. I don't know. Very different where I live. There's no pubs open anymore. So I'm not really yeah. sure what people do together now. <laughs> well, this one's a great one as well. It is like a great sort of like community hub. I bang on about it all the time. Yeah, and the landlord's wicked, and it's and it's like it's got like a plaque on the wall where it's, where it basically says how it's kind of virtually un, unchanged inside, like the physical layout. Yeah. So maybe that's well, a fact why would as well. You know, it's been yeah, yeah, it's great. Where would you go? So when you pass on, if you you know get hit by a car tonight, you can mm. go anywhere you want with your spirit. You're gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> Rob will be back, back in the pub. ship. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, especially if it is like. You know, if you went there and it wasn't like that, you know, it was completely yeah. unrecognisable and it was, you, you might not, you might not hang about. But like you say, yeah. if it was just like, oh, yeah. this feels like the same old gaff. Like, I'll, 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 hang, out here. I'll hang out here, please. Yeah. And time doesn't change for the dead. It only changes yeah. for us. It doesn't change for them. So they're kind of yeah. in that moment, aren't they? Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. I think out of the, uh, the three of us, me, Rob and George, I'm probably the biggest sceptic when it comes to the paranormal. No, and uh george is on the other end i think and rob rob's in the middle there but i and i don't believe in the paranormal i don't think there's ghosts around and i i would i i but i'm interested and if it was true if there was if if there like you said earlier about what would it take for you to believe even if you showed yes. me a big foot i probably still wouldn't believe it but i would like to believe in this in this paranormal world um yes and every time I say that I'm a skeptic and I don't believe, my friends will bring up this one time when I did see a ghost. Right. <laughs> and it's one of these like scenarios where it's completely, I have no explanation for it, apart from maybe the fact I'd had a couple beers at the time. But <laughs> we was staying on a houseboat or like a canal boat in Manchester. And we were walking from one place to another across like the canals and the little footbridges that go underneath the streets yeah. and so on and i was walking at the front of my group of friends and i was turning around talking to my friend and as i turned around to watch where i was walking there was like a man in front of me that and we were walking across like a very thin footbridge so mm. i thought i was about to bump into him and i went and out loud i went whoa sorry mate as if to like because i thought i was about to bump into this guy but then there was no guy there and all my friends stopped and said, what, what are you doing? Like I was some nutcase. And yeah. I was like, oh, there was, a, and I was so confused. I was like, there was a man there and. He shuts you down. Yeah. And one of my, and one of my friends was like, did, did you just see a ghost or something? I was like, well, then there was a man. Yeah. Like I, I know what he looked like. He had a button up shirt on. I was like, and I was like, and for the rest of the night, I was thinking, I was trying to like work it out in my head. I was like, what was that? And yeah. yeah and i I think like the skeptic in me just says well you'd had two or three beers and you spun around quickly and your your brain just like implanted an image that you've seen before for some reason and uh and that's but i don't know if that's what i want to believe i want to believe i saw a ghost like i i want to be a i want it i want it to be a ghost but i don't it's natural i think it's natural to, to You're try and make sense to, of it yeah yeah you're taught to find like well it cannot have been possibly some people see shadows at the corner of their eye i do quite often and and you catch it and it, eventually if you just stop worrying about it and it doesn't become a thing you don't notice them anymore mm. and i think mm. maybe you did see something that night but you you instantly we're human beings we have to reason so your brain goes no it would have been a lamppost or you've just spun too quickly or you know it, it maybe your mates didn't see him and there was a man there. You know, you just, it's always going to be. definitely I, wasn't a man. No idea. <laughs> always going to be like that, isn't it? Yeah. But that doesn't mean you might not see something 
later on in your life. I've never seen a UFO. I mean, I work in the field. I've never seen one. Yeah. But I know people that have and have seen more than one. My husband's had one experience in his entire life. He's 50 now and he was 21 when it happened to him. Him and three friends. And they saw, uh, they all kind of lost time at, at the same moment. And they came to on top of a hill, head to head in a crucifix with a light above them. Whoa. And everything, yeah, every single one of them reacted to it in a very different way. And quite a few of them ended up on the bay because of it. Because they're ordinary working lads. They were only walking down to the garage to get some cigarettes. Um, oh. And he, my husband said he moved really, really quickly like that and shot off to Winter Hill. And it wasn't that that frightened him. They lost about an hour and a half of time. So none nice. of them can remember the walk home. Oh, and the strange things I bet I missed out. They were going to the garage and they were going for tobacco and they were getting like back then in the in the early nineties. There wasn't anywhere here where you at nine o'clock the shop shut and that was it. So you had to walk down to the motorway and go to the service station. Yeah. And that's where they were going. And mm. he said when they woke up, they all had each other's items in the hand. So they must have been to the service station, but they have no memory of it. They each kind of lost memory at the same moment and all came to at the same moment. And I said to him, Weird. what was the conversation like walking home? And he went, we didn't have one. It was like they were all too scared to discuss mm. it between themselves for mm. years to come because it's easier to believe it didn't happen. And yeah. it took him till he was 45 to go back to that spot. It frightened him that much and I've never seen him frightened of anything. And wow. that area frightened him. And I think he thought, if we went back, it'd happen again. Mm. And it, there yeah. was a big fear about that with him. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's good. I've got a friend with a similar thing when he, again, and this friend is like super sceptical, super logical mm. guy. And he has this one story that he can't explain. And it's, it's interesting when you said about the shooting off real quick, it's, it's a similar thing. He said he was just yeah. out of a couple of mates, just walking about, like you said earlier, but that was pretty most relaxed. They were just walking around, chatting, friends on a night out. And he said, and he had like a triangle thing just float like yeah. close enough that he could sort of see it like that. It's complete silence. And then with complete silence, sort of just went douche and like was gone. And that was it. And he said him and his mate both saw it. Yeah. And, they, and he's never been able to explain it. And it, It's uh, even weirder. You can get two witnesses see the same thing and one of them will say it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'll, give, I'll give you a, mm-hmm. uh, there's a case in Stone, it's in Staffordshire. Really strange case, this one. A chap called Ant got in touch with me, probably in his late 40s. When he was a young boy in the 70s, he was in the car with his mum and they were driving down this particular lane, Stone Lane, and he said what looked like a minotaur stepped out from the side of the road and walked into the road, but mum couldn't see it. He could, but mum couldn't. And he said he just looked at me with disdain as mum drove past. When he was about 14, he was out with his friend and they were trying to impress some girls. So they were walking down to this girl's house. You know what it's like, young lads are 15. He said the same thing, you come walking out. He said, and they had a skateboard and they were absolutely terrified. So they shot off on the skateboard and he ended up with like a bit of a, an injury on the side that he still got. And he said he never forgot that. He, he never, ever forgot it. Years later, he meets Mel. And they, you know when you're caught in and you say, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen? And he said, oh, I didn't want to answer her. I just didn't want to answer her. And she said, I was on Stone Lane when I was about 18, driving with my boyfriend on the car. We're driving down the road to the pub and this black thing stepped out on the corner of the road and stepped into the road. And he mm. said, I saw that. I saw that when I was like seven and I was like 14, you know, and you just like start, start looking. Can I find any other cases? And they just mm. spread out this tall, dark thing that crosses the road. So it's like... That's weird. You, you, you can't, how did they both know the yeah. description and why did they end up together in the end? Yeah, that's weird. Mm. That's a good one, that's a good one. You'll have to get me back on, I've got a million of those stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We definitely will, especially when uh, we'll make sure George can uh, make it next time as well because George has probably got a million questions. He was so... He is going to be gutted. He's going to be gutted to miss yeah. this. I don't mind yeah. at all. I've not got any TV work on at the moment. I've got a few weeks off, so it's absolutely fine. If George needs me to come back on, I'll nip back What is it that you would like people to uh, check out if they're interested in finding more? Of course, you've got your website, you've got a podcast, yeah. you've got your, got your map, you've got quite a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I've made what are you working right on now? If- yeah, really, really easy for folk. I've just everything's in Deborah Hatswell, BBR. So my YouTube, my podcast, my website, everything. But I'll send you guys my link tree. 
because that's just one handy link and everything's there they can find it what have I got going on at the moment two tv shows that we're sitting down with witnesses from the UK where we are just no running about in the woods none of that sit down cup of tea you tell me your story and that's what we're going to do. So like a one-on-one where we're chatting with witnesses and they're telling us everything. And then I'm going to say, has anything happened before? Anything happened with mum or dad? Anything happened with grandma and granddad? And we'll see if it's a family thing or it's in the bloodline. So just keep your eye out for that. That sounds good. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to get you on uh, maybe around the time that the, uh, the TV show comes out and, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, but yeah, the link tree will be in the description of the podcast, in the YouTube description. So if anyone wants to go and check out, go if you if you're not that interested, because there'll be some skeptics listening, there'll be some people that are well into it. So those that are well into it are gonna go and check it out anyway. There's uh, 662 videos on your YouTube channel, so yeah. uh, and they're all a good length, so you can listen to them. They're all uh, essentially like podcasts where you can listen to. Yeah the detailed stories of um these different cases but mm. even if you're not that interested just check out the map just for how yeah. impressive i think it is like that you've got all this detail put in and just have a little look around where you live and just see if there's anything yeah. anything near you like a, a weird a weird sighting whether it's a, a dog man or um some kind reptilian. of reptilian yeah you, yeah <laughs> do you get many like aquatic sightings around rivers and lakes and stuff is that is that no, as big of a thing. Grown. No, I'm not a lake monster girl. I've never had a lake monster account or a kelpie or a seahorse or anything like that. No. Uh, I've moved down by the seaside, so I'm I'm interested to see if I can. Oh, you get a lot, of, lot, of, lot of cryptic reports at the seaside. Uh, lots and time. lots of them. Yeah, keep, I'll keep, keep my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Deb. I really, really appreciate it. It's been oh, really you're very good. welcome. Yeah, it was really a pleasure. Good. Yeah, and thank you for. I know you're you're suffering with COVID at the moment, so thank you for uh, pushing through. And uh, yeah, you know, sorry about the car. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine. The the listeners won't even even notice. <laughs> okay, thank you for joining everyone. Go check out Deborah's stuff. Links in the description. That was the Curious Cast episode one hundred and four.